Hello, everyone. Since this is either a highlight, a standalone book, or the first episode in a series, I'm jumping in to remind you what the rules are for this podcast. First rule is no real people stories. That means that any details from our own lives are merely anecdotal. We do not read books about real people, and we are not reading historical fiction. The second rule is that we are basing our analyses off of how the author treats characters and what they put them through. We are not judging the accuracy of the trauma, the accuracy of any actual conditions that may be portrayed, nor the authenticity of a character's reaction to that trauma or that particular condition. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. The hosts are not trained professionals, and their opinions come solely from personal experience. In this episode, we discuss fictional depictions of trauma and violence that may not be suitable for all audiences. Please take care of yourselves. Specific content warnings for each episode can be found in the show notes. Events in the media are discussed in approximate order of escalation. This episode contains spoilers. Discussing All the Birds in the Sky, a book about two childhood friends grown to discover that they have grown apart. Hi, I'm Nicole. And I'm Robin. And today on Books That Burn, we are discussing All the Birds in the Sky by Charlie Jane Anders. Let's get into our factions. We have Patricia, Lawrence, Roberta, Theodolphus, Serafina, Patricia's parents, Lawrence's parents, the birds, and Change Me, or Peregrine. So, for Serafina and Emotional Connection. <laughs> uh, so, Serafina is This book Lawrence's has some interesting girlfriend. commentary. Yes. Like, I will talk about this probably a bit more with Lawrence. Like, I get the feeling for, like, a lot of the book, we're not... It would be difficult to agree often with both Patricia and Lawrence. And usually when there's a conflict, I feel like we're usually supposed to agree with Patricia. That might just be my own biases, Mm-mm. but leans a little bit that way. Serafina is Lawrence's girlfriend. And I am glad that she is just one of many female characters in this book because there's a lot going on here and if she were the female representation that would kind of stink that's not what this book is doing at all it's just that she there's a lot of ways in which her presence in the book exists to help lawrence grow but part of how she does that is by saying look buddy I, as a person, do not exist just to help you grow. I am getting out. So, like, by leaving and by hypothetically having some life beyond the events in this book where she is just a minor character kind of getting just neglected, by leaving the book, she takes her own agency. But also she's only in it in order to make Lawrence to grow. It's kind of Yeah, it's kind of a weird, like, we're going to do the trope but we're inverting it, but we're really not because we're actually doing the trope, but it's going to serve the purpose as if we didn't do the trope, 
but we're going to do it anyway. It's it's like this, like, they wanted, they couldn't, it almost feels like the author just wanted it to be this way and then was like, oh, how do I make this not terrible? Or the other way around went, I really want to send this message that this character does not only exist for him, but I don't want her to do anything other than send that message. And so it's like almost a very, from like a reader perspective, it's kind of a warped like, okay, well, what do I do with this? I feeling, at least when I read it. When I read it, it didn't bother me at all. It really liked it. And part of what helped me, helped me like understand what her role was in here is that one of the things is that she works on her job is to help um, robots be more emotionally expressive. And then towards the end of the book, she kind of figures out that her job isn't really to help robots be emotionally expressive. Her job is to help humans feel better about robots. And I think that kind of a commentary... To me, that, like, in a way, it makes it clear that all the stuff going on with her character probably is on purpose. And on purpose is in, like, trying to be, because obviously, like, the author, you know, chose all the things to be in it, but that it's, it's supposed to be this commentary. And I actually think it works really well. And there's this bit where she says that the uncanny exists so that humans can feel okay about killing each other. Um, part of her like conclusion from working with all these robots is that kind of like eh, sorry the, the uncanny when you say like the uncanny that'd be things like the uncanny valley like all this stuff where like something doesn't quite look human or recognizable or like we should empathize with it and the the thought that she's kind of expressing there is that we need something that feels not like us so that we can feel okay about killing it. And sometimes that it is other people. I mean, that's a not going to go into like a bunch of science, especially because I'm not the scientist. I just really like this concept. Mm-hmm. Uh, like it's not unique to this book, but I am. No, it's, it's definitely not unique to this book, but this is, that's like a real theory that I've seen in multiple, basically in multiple parts and my personal, I, I feel like this is podcast and trauma relevant, n- not necessarily, well, this book talks about robots, but like I've seen people kind of positing that like our, our fear of zombies is because they are us, but they can catch us, but they're almost not us because they're not human anymore. And it's not the uncanny valley, but it's related. And I've seen people, I've I've read a lot of stuff and seen a lot of things published about how like the uncanny valley was really just human and neanderthal distinguishing from each other and so quite literally yes the uncanny valley existed so that we could look at other primates that were so close to us but they were not us and say you know what that doesn't count death (laughs) so like you know this book is definitely not unique in trying to to throw that concept out there um I mean, even in fiction, but like even in nonfiction, like this is not like a wild idea. But the the way the character is presented from a traumatic standpoint, like I know Robin, like it's like you you got what the character was supposed to be. 
I got what the character was supposed to be, but only after I kind of got done going, oh, why? Why is it this again? Why is it about him again? And then I kind of went through and went, okay, all right, fine, sure. Her narrative arc is that that's not the point, but you can't just do that with a character. You can't just have a character exist to say that they're not there for that. Like they, because if you don't give them anything else, well, then they kind of are. And it doesn't matter that you yell really loudly that they're not doing this thing if that's the only thing. Like if your only interaction with a human being in your entire life, the only time you intersect with another particular person is when they walk into the room yelling about how they're not a thief and that's the only time you ever see them. (laughs) It's like, okay, but forever in my mind, you are now branded as the guy who's really obsessed with not being seen as a thief. Now you're connected to thievery and it doesn't matter that I've never seen you steal anything. Like, this is the only interaction that I have. It's the only connection that I have to you is you just yelling really loud about how you didn't do it. Like, okay, (laughs) well, I mean, that's great, buddy. It feels like that. And I and I and I wanted to put a nonviolent um example in there. I didn't want to be like someone yelling, you know, I, I didn't want to give a more violent example, but like that's what it feels like reading that or that's what it felt like reading this to me is I was kind of like, okay, that's cool, but can can she have anything else? Can she do something else? Can she have something she cares about outside of being obsessed with other people's validation? Like so here <laughs> to me, um, I so to me it feels like you know your characters in another story kind of a thing. Like we watch yeah. her, like she leaves him. Like I know she does, but then we don't see her because she left. Live, yeah. Like she she left, so she's gone. Right. That's it. Yeah. So then, looking at like. So the topic we had for this is emotional connection. And I think we've kind of like talked around the idea (laughs) of how we emotionally connected with her as a character or how we were able to or not because of the way she's in this book, literally to help Lawrence learn more about emotions. I mean, Um, pretty much. That's the problem that I have with, I -hmm. guess, with her is like, she is she's quite literally the emotion connection character character mm-hmm. that's her trope that's her job that's her description it's literally her job that's literally her job and she's the least relatable as a character to me mm-hmm. because she doesn't exist outside of that and like well we had kind of a cool gap buddy. between when we made our notes and when we're sitting down to record this and nicole was like who is seraphina and why yeah is i was she like i don't remember one? this name who's this person Mm-hmm. And Robin goes, oh, it's Lawrence's girlfriend. And I was like, ah, oh, all right. Whatever. That's why. I remember her. <laughs> I remember how much I dislike her. <laughs> like, I don't yeah. I don't hate her as like, if I met her as a person, she's cool. But as a character, I did not appreciate. I, I didn't appreciate her story arc. I want her to exist outside of loudly yelling that she's not responsible for other people. Yeah, it does feel like she didn't get much of an arc and yeah she had no nothing yeah and as for the like the bit of her the bit of lawrence's arc that relates to her um it she keep he keeps saying stuff that makes her uncertain about the relationship because he doesn't know how to read her 
And then she feels like he isn't invested because he says stuff like feeling like he's on probation. And I don't know. It probably doesn't help that he's using a word that's associated with incarceration. Like, for talking about his... It's just... For talking about a relationship, I don't know, just... To me, all of the... All of the words related to marriage and relationships that are all about how you hate it and you're stuck, but you have to do it anyway. I'm like, just me in real life. I'm like, just, just, I understand. Go. The social, I understand <laughs> social pressures and like widespread how there's like all this stuff, but on an individual level, please, please don't spend your life with someone you hate. Please don't spend your life with someone who hates you. Like, but anyway, like just leave. Just yeah. go. It doesn't but, mean you have to never see that person again. Yeah. But just then here, don't like, be in I'm, that with them. I'm really proud of one thing that Serafina does as a character. She's like, you're not making me feel safe and cared for. And I don't need you to take care of me. But you're making me feel like you don't trust me. And until you said that, I thought I could trust you. But now I don't know. And I'm gonna go. And also, like, Lawrence is the kind of person who tries to solve uncertainty by, like, committing super hard. So he's like, ah, our relationship is on the rocks. I better propose. Don't, don't do that. It's not good. So I'm glad that, like, the message of the book is, like, that doesn't work. Don't do that, please. Um. Yeah. No, that's a good message. Yeah. But it, it just, I, Serafina is very kind of used and discarded by the narrative. And by the author in that narrative. And I'm I'm perfectly happy reading it as a commentary, given all of the other stuff in the book. But as a character, poor Serafina. Like, um, I hope she's living her best life in some story parallel to this. I hope she exists, an, hope she exists somewhere else as <laughs> her own things. Because this was not a good place for her. Though, by the end, this book is not really a good place for anyone, but... Anyway, I'm ready to talk about Lawrence. On to Lawrence, parental abuse, specifically neglect. So Lawrence's parents, it's like they want him to do pretty much everything except for what he wants to do. Um, they don't want him to be on computers or near computers, and that's, like, the thing he's really, really good at. But, like, they're making him do sports. Then they, like, only let him hang out with Patricia because she was teaching him about the woods. Which, in their minds, is making him be in nature. And for Patricia and Lawrence, it was whatever the two of them wanted to do. Probably not in the woods, because Lawrence hates the woods. Um, like, you pick neglect as the topic for this one. And I do think that is, like, the right term for what's going on here, because they're not, they're not active in his life. They uh. just don't like the direction. They, they're not positively active. They don't like the direction that he's going and what he's trying to do. And so they're like, don't go over there. Don't do that. They like push him in some other direction. But if he just like pretends that he's doing the thing they wanted him to do, they just leave him alone and barely interact with him. Well, it's I mean, it's more than 
that. Oh yeah, it's it. it it's gets a worse. lot. Like there, there's so much. There's so much there of just. Worse. We refuse to meet your needs in any way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. Just going on in his whole entire life, like they have the 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 neglect of just. We refuse to let you do the thing that makes you happy. Like you are not allowed to. Uh, mm-hmm. We want you like we refuse to we were telling you that you have to go hang out with this one person but before that i don't even i think there was a thing about him not being allowed to have friends before patricia was basically like hi like i am the person that can get in good with your parents or like his parents would scare friends off or something when they met i i don't think he got that far i don't i don't think it i don't remember it being they wanted him to be in like a scout troop or something but there was something with like his parents and just not or they didn't like let him go places before Patricia convinced them to let him go with her. There was there was something like that. And I it we we've had a little bit of a gap between reading this and recording because of holiday shenanigans and other things. So I'm trying to remember now. But I remember it being in my head that there was something where it was like he was isolated pretty hard. He was, uh, so he was socially isolated in the way that kids who seem a little bit different get bullied and isolated by their peers. And then the parents didn't have any positive interventions, but it's not like they made no one like him or stopped him from hanging out with anyone. They were grateful when Patricia wanted to hang out no, with him. No, I'm not like, saying they, they made so no one like him. They were so happy that Patricia wanted to be around him. Oh, no, I remember what the, what it was. Okay, They good. blamed him for not having right. friends and said it was, and right. implied that it was his fault. Yeah, That's they didn't what it was. do anything to stop it. But yeah, they were very negative. I was like, it was more than just not doing anything to stop it. There was an extra layer and I couldn't remember what the layer was. And I'm pretty sure that that was it, that they literally were like, well, it's your fault if you don't X, Y, Z. And that was a major problem and a major part of this plot point. Yep. And then it gets a lot worse because they're like, well, you don't have enough friends <laughs> because we haven't taught you any social skill or given you any positive interventions. We've only like made you do stuff you hate. So they sent him to a military school where he was bullied. It is heavily implied that he was tortured. Like, he he comes out of it clearly emotionally tortured, possibly physically tortured. Like, when Patricia helps to rescue him, he is naked in a closet where he was shut in by the other students. Um, so there aren't, like, depictions of torture other than the closet scene, but that's kind of like the aftermath. I don't know. It's such a complicated way of trying to talk about that. Um, this see- this book does not contain active torture scenes, but it is heavily implied that this character is tortured, is what I'll just say there. Just, you know, for your content warnings, if you're thinking yeah. about reading it. Um, but we don't have to watch torture scenes. But he is, he is uh, hurt and changed by having gone there, and his parents sent him there so that someone else could do the job of fixing him because abandoning him up until now hadn't worked at all so clearly they had to try abandoning him slightly differently and maybe (laughs) that would work (laughs) one thing that i think is 
in terms of like how the author like handled this and depicts this, it, I think it, it makes it pretty clear, um, like the most important bits of what happened to him. Like it's pretty obvious as a, a reader what the shape, the general shape of what went on and given what the book is, that's all we really needed here. And I, I like that because what was going on is neglect that Patricia comes to say, no, I actively care about you. I'm going to help get you out. And then <laughs> classic Lawrence. <laughs> Man. Doesn't want her to physically help, but like it still mattered that she came. And that's, you know, that's got ongoing character arc things is that he doesn't know how to accept help because he didn't have positive help early and didn't have modeled how to accept help. So like, I don't know, all of that really fits in with the early neglect where when Patricia tries to help, he's like, I don't know what to do with this. Do you have any thoughts on that? <sighs> Not really. I, I know I was, I think I was the one who put in this I think topic. you were the one that had the most, most thoughts on Lawrence. I have a lot more to say on Patricia. <laughs> okay. So some last things that I want to say with Lawrence. I really like his arc. Because like as in much as I don't like a lot of the decisions he made, like especially now that like I say aloud he didn't accept Patricia's help in this case when it would have been extremely reasonable to accept help. Yeah. I'm like, oh, wait, he he literally doesn't know how to accept help. He literally doesn't know how to because he doesn't have previous positive experiences of being helped in a way where the intervention like actually worked and actually fixed the problem. And so as much as I don't like that that's the way he reacted as I'm like talking about it. It fits. It makes sense. It feels really consistent. It like, um, I don't know if it would have been out of character if he would have expected help, but early on, like that early in the story, narratively, it would have been weird. And just as much as I think I like Patricia a lot better, like I, I get Lawrence and he feels cause like, no. Oh, he's a super solid oh, yeah. character. Just, I, I don't know. I, he's doing something I feel you hate, I, like you understand why he did it. And so it's like, <laughs> God damn it, Lawrence. It's yeah. not why did you do that? It's oh, great. That's what you did. Of course. It's oh, of course. Of course you did. Why wouldn't you? <laughs> like, well, I mean, when this is the only thing you know, then you don't really have other options. Yeah. And like um, in a lot of the framing of our podcast is that the author puts characters in situations where the only reasonable action is something that otherwise we would never consider and might think is unreasonable. But even within that framing, this author built a character where I'm like, oh yeah, of course he would do that. Not of course the world would make him do this, because that's what we see a lot more often. Um, But of course, this character, even if put in a less harsh version of the world would still do this because he doesn't know how to not yet. 
So I, I like that, that it, it feels like it makes sense for the character to react this way and not just the world has been warped around him to make the unreasonable reasonable. Yeah. On to Patricia doing parental abuse again, specifically control. Yeah. So Patricia has um some some very not she also has some very not okay parental figures uh and we actually had a quite a debate <laughs> way back when we were making these notes Robin and I between how we were going to talk about these characters from two different angles because both and I I just don't want to leave Lawrence out of this both Patricia and Lawrence are incredibly neglected and which we talk about from we focus on Lawrence for that but Patricia also undergoes a little bit more of physical and uh I'm trying to think of physical abuse uh food control um just straight up bullying in her home as a child um there's there's a lot kind of an extra layer and so I want to throw that I want to put that in there while we're talking about this topic because I I want people to if you're listening to our podcast and then you pick up this book, I want you to be prepared for both characters to really undergo a lot of very similar uh, trauma. Their circumstances are completely different and the things that happen to them are different, but there are a lot of similarities. And so I don't want that that to kind of slide by. Um, so I think with Patricia, her parents did a lot more preemptive putting up guardrails to stop her from ever actually doing the thing. With Lawrence, they were more reactive of, oh, you're not doing what we want yet, consequence. You're not doing what we want yet. Right. Well, and also there's the difference that I believe Lawrence was an only child and Patricia has an older Mm -hmm. sibling who actively bullies her. Younger? Younger. Oh, I forgot that detail. I believe Uh, it's the younger sibling, yeah. I will double check, but because... Okay. I my my mental map for keeping track of oh gosh my mental track for keeping my mental map for keeping track of characters' <laughs> mental, ages in mental track in for books, keeping map. <laughs> it's it's I am the main character and then I tag mentally other characters as either Nicole or our other sibling Heather, and my mental tag for Roberta was Heather, which I'm pretty sure based on how my brain does things, should mean that Roberta's younger. But I will double check. So, but yeah, so with Patricia, there's a lot of of food abuse and food access abuse. There's a lot of, like, locking her in her room and refusing to let her out for days or weeks. Like, I think they even talk about her having to go to the bathroom in, like, a pot. That was a thing. Mm -hmm. Like, she didn't have access to the bathroom or she would have to beg to be let out. Um her food like this is wild to me her food was shoved under the door at her and they talk about or she describes like the food the door taking quote unquote the first bite of the food because it like the door scrapes off the top layer and you know when we were reading this and when we were initially like figuring out our notes for this i didn't really give that much thought because there's plenty of movies where you see that but now i'm like how big was the gap under that door (laughs) Uh, or was everything like 
wafer thin to begin with and not and like because it's on a plate she describes the food as being on a plate and oh yeah like, for me a thing that did break immersion like a four in the book or five a inch bit. door gap right like she could shove her entire arm under that door um, yeah i also was like what is this door gap like that did <laughs> pause that did give me pause but as a but as a a a trauma a description of trauma as as you know a description of abuse it's a very visceral image of like her food being shoved at her and like her missing pieces of it because they don't even care they don't even try and and fit it and under in a way so that she actually gets it like she just gets like here shove like that door probably has rotting food on it it probably smells awful it probably is the only thing her room smells like you know there's there's a whole layer to that that very very visceral image and it's really really good um it's it's a really good very visceral description of a particular abuse that has so many layers and implications to it and it really sets up like this dynamic between her and her family and and there's more and and you know and then she you know she's she's also kind of neglected a lot of the way Lawrence is like she just runs off and does her own thing in the woods um and what I don't remember is do her parents her parents don't know about the magic right they pretty sure that was like a her secret yeah so this is not a like a a like we're gonna you have a thing that we're trying to get out of you or something or a like a a shunning because of Mm -hmm. their because of a magic um nope they don't know anything like it's literally just them deciding to hurt their child for no reason. And they don't treat her other sibling this way. Like, this is not just their parenting style. This is targeted and deliberate at this one kid. And we never... And part of the thing I think that makes her story feel different to me from Lawrence's also is, like, Lawrence, we kind of get a little bit of a background of, like, okay, well, his parents had these particular goals for him kind of like robin said like they had goals he didn't meet their goals they're really really bad at being parents and so they just decided to like well how can we force him to be the way we picture a child should be we're not given an explanation for patricia's parents they're just terrible they're just terrible and they're terrible to her and not her sibling well not in the same way to her sibling at least we don't actually know much about that yeah, I can't find their relative ages. I think in my head I assumed Roberta must be younger because of the way she gets brought in as an accomplice. I just assumed I, older because she's she's kind of actively malicious in a She's actively malicious in a I control the house and I resent you kind of a way. Mhm. Which feels more like a seniority abuse than it does anything else. Which doesn't yeah. necessarily have to be someone older, but longer in a position or feels threatened by you coming on their turf kind of a thing. Right. And like, that's what, or at least that's how it read to me. But yeah, I've, I've. But yeah, like no there's idea. just no, there's no, there's no even. I don't think it matters. I, I don't, it doesn't really matter. It doesn't really just... matter. No, but it, it, her, it almost, her story almost feels to me. Like it's more um, like Lawrence's Lawrence's story feels bad, but really more just tragic. Uh-huh. His parents are just bad parents. They might not even really be bad, deliberately bad people, 
they're just bad parents. They just don't know what to do. And so they lash out and they don't bother to think maybe they were wrong about their assumptions of what a child is. Like, I think there's even a, like, his parents, wasn't there, like, a thing where his parents were raising him the way they had wanted to be or the way their parents had, they were as children and they just kind of assumed, like, oh, he's our kid. He'll be like us. And if he's not, well, that's all we know how to have him do. So we'll just force this on him. And it, it gives it more of, like, a, a tragedy element. But Patricia, it's just deliberately abusive and almost like not even not almost violent in a like a we're targeting you and we are coming after you and we will hurt you because we can kind of a way and it's just a very different feel if that makes sense at least to me yeah yeah it does i just i am now like oh my goodness what are their relative ages because we both read this <laughs> dynamic so differently do you think it would be obtrusive if we tweeted the author and was like hey we read your book and we just want to we just have a question <laughs> this doesn't mean anything we've already recorded our episode but we're just really curious how old are um, they <laughs> like i don't know i'm not um, gonna do that um that's fair <laughs> if you uh listen to our episode hi um <laughs> Can you let us know if Roberta's older or younger? But like, yeah, we're, you know, we really want to know because <laughs> apparently we read gonna, this two different ways. Which is not funny. Intrude like that, yeah. Like it, it kind of felt like I don't know because like all kinds of families can have like very different dynamics and um, yeah. But the main thing is, for whatever age reasons, they have the parents. When they were kid, when Roberta and Patricia were kids, they like enlisted them. They enlisted Roberta to help in their abuse of Patricia. Yeah, they were like, and "Hey, you're just gonna do this life, for us." Yeah, and then like okay. later in life, Roberta's kind of a screw up, and the parents are like, "Oh wait, Patricia, you like kind of have steady work. Or you kind of have your life together." <laughs> what? Yeah, <laughs> we tried so hard to harm you. How did this happen? magic maybe maybe that shouldn't have been the response parents or the anything parents like oh gosh um like so you were you'd asked earlier like if the parents knew she had magic i mean in the sense that the parents knew she said she talked to the birds i think maybe yeah but let's be real no, that like every, the parents did every, not actively not understand every, but that she really uh, Most had magic. kids I have ever babysat under the age of five will tell me how they're talking to the animals. Mm-hmm. That does not mean her yeah, telling the parents. Well, the I heard the birds like, or the cat, yeah, or the cat. Like, yeah, that's that's not a. <laughs> I babysit. I babysit a five year old, and that five year old says, "I'm gonna like I'm talking to the birds," and then they start trying to imitate birds' calls, like. Uh, that doesn't mean they have magic. Like, oh yeah, you know, even even in universe of the book, like that do- that doesn't mean that they would know or take it seriously. I will say this while we're before we go to our wrap up, while we're still on the topic of Patricia, I when we I was reading this, I legitimately thought that the story of this, for some reason, and I have no explanation why, when you read the beginning that she had had magic as a kid 
and she thought she had this thing and then she lost it forever. And then suddenly we're reading about all of these different abuses that she is going through. I legitimately thought this was going to be one of those well, not even one of those books. There's not a lot of books that do this. I thought this was going to be a, she had magic and it's a tragedy because she just never gets it back. And she just grows up knowing that I have this and I can't reach it and I'm lost forever. And I don't know why my brain had decided that was going to be a thing because it doesn't make sense literary wise and it doesn't really make sense in the story. And it would be weird for that to happen to a main character in the Western fiction world. And then we got to the point where she gets her magic back and I was like, I, like, I wasn't even like excited for her. I was just kind of like, oh, oh, well, that's not what I was expecting. I mean, like, I don't know why. That, <laughs> I was if you that. want that mood, I have a um, a series to recommend. Oh, but. boy. <laughs> I don't really want that mood. It was just like my I, I my brain would just kind of decided that it was going to be true. And I was like emotionally ready for that. And then it didn't happen. And, you know, like, oh, okay, cool. I mean, this makes a lot more sense, but I don't know why I was ready for the other thing. We've made difficult decisions. And there are still more ahead of us. Two people aren't enough to save the galaxy. We need the toughest. Smartest deadliest allies we need you we need you to join us and listen to reignite a certain point of view podcast about storytelling love and mass effect join us every other thursday as we fight for the fate of an entire galaxy you can find us everywhere you get your podcasts or at certainpov.com slash reignite we're counting on you. We should go. On to the wrap-up and ratings for our gratuity rating for Sarah for the emotional connection. Uh I uh you're gonna hate this. Oh no. You're gonna hate Irrelevant? it a lot. Is it a oh no, oh sorry not. Wrong oh category. no, you're right. What? You're not going to hate it yet. You're going to hate it when we get to the next category. Uh, I knew I was what you were jumping ahead to that. I think it's. I think it's actually pretty. I think it's depicted. No, the trauma itself is moderate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, like yeah. when we get to point of view, we'll get a little bit more of like the nuance. I think you're implying. Yeah, and we, there, when we yeah, get to care, when we get to care, and we get to why, you're going to hate my opinions, and that's okay. <laughs> I agree about moderate for okay. the gratuity rating. For neglect, this is... My brain immediately wants to go severe. to severe. It is. It's severe. Yeah. yeah. <sighs> You're also well, going to hate my... So, I mean, what it... Okay, so what You're it is... You're not going to like my decisions. Is what actually gets shown in the book severe? Yes. Okay, I just mentally just double checking. Yeah. Um, no, it absolutely is. I mean, for Patricia, no question. Yes, for Patricia, I just wasn't as sure about Lawrence. Porn. Yeah, for control, so that topic with Patricia, like, absolutely, that's torture porn. Okay, and then for neglect, for Lawrence, is severe. Okay. Then, and for our audience, I want to be clear that it's not torture porn because of exactly what is happening to her. We just, we don't put out this rating very often, and so I just want to clarify that the 
description between the de- the difference between severe and torture porn is the level of partly the level of of visceral description given and also partly the weight given to the difference between how it's affecting the character versus what is happening and how what is happening is described and I'm not going to go into details, but in this particular book, the scenes that are more that we are that push this to our torture porn category are ones where if you were uh, more predisposed to or let's say if you'd had this happen to you, it's going to feel like the emphasis is on how detailed the problems happening are not on taking care of the character. So that's why, because I know some of you are going to pick this up and read it and go, what? (laughs) That's there's it's incredibly visceral description wise. There's a lot of layers and a lot of implications. And it feels like the emphasis is on the perpetrators having fun, shall we we say, and not on the person who is being harmed. Yep. Because like a thing we don't often get to the opportunity to talk about, just because we don't have a lot of things that are in the torture porn category without... This is a weird space. So I want to just briefly say, like, you could have a trauma that is... If you just listed, like, the raw content warnings, it would be, like... It would feel like it's lower down on the severity. But how you show it makes all the difference. And that's what our podcast is for. And we've had books that have literal (laughs) physical torture scenes that have been only severe and not torture porn because of the way they're described. So this category is not about it being specifically torture. It's it's a little bit odder than that. Uh, and and I'll, and we actually I don't know if we've said this on the podcast before, but we have tried to come up with a better term for this category that because we don't is a little like bit the more accurate. Yeah, because we don't like yeah. the implication that this is any kind of sexual thing necessarily. So yeah. if anyone knows a better, if anyone term has for a this, better thing that we could call it, that'd be great. But like we don't, we don't, we haven't thought of one. And so if you get scenes or 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 traumas that are described in a certain way or with certain a certain feel to them they they end up in this category yep all right why this trauma integral interchangeable or irrelevant Irrelevant. you're gonna tell me you think the emotional connection is irrelevant yes i am this is my opinion i Uh... think that you could cut her from the story completely and if that would just be a thing or let's say you can have Lawrence have a girlfriend and never give her a name and nothing yeah. happens. I do uh, not yeah. think anything would matter. I do not think anything would change. Because all of the point of her existing is so we understand why he would be torn when he has to carry out a very particular action, but that action is actually centered around Patricia and not around yeah. Serafina, and it's not even about her. He could just yep. be angsty in his room. With no person to talk to about how it is or compare Patricia with. And gosh, nothing would have to change ever. I hate that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. No, I I don't think you're wrong. I just hate that. Okay. All right. (laughs) Uh, For the trauma for 
for neglect and control, I'm lumping them together because I think they're both integral. Yeah. That's the whole point of this book. Yeah. The, the interplay between these two things is the book. And how <laughs> they grow out of it and deal with it <laughs> or don't grow out of it. Yeah. Like what they decide to do as they grow up and continue to be people that have this in their pasts. Um, yep. That's, that is the point of the book in a lot of ways. Um, there are other things you could call the point of the book, but not if you're listing main traumas. Um, <laughs> not if you're us. Not if you're us. Okay. For care. trauma being treated with care, with right. the emotional connection. Emotional connection, I'm actually going to argue that it was treated with care. Yeah. Yep. It absolutely. was not treated. It was, it was just, it was treated with so much care that it quit being an emotionally impactful thing and i'm not saying that that's bad i'm saying right. that there's no that it it al- it was almost treated with so much care that the trauma of our two main characters just overshadowed and yeah. pushed this other character out of relevance even a little bit a lot yeah bit. hence the irrelevant tag um i will say this it feels like it was on purpose. Like we it don't does. think the it author feels tried very to deliberate. do something else. <laughs> we don't think the author tried to do something else and messed up. We no, think no, no, no. This felt like that was de-centered. the point of this character. Yeah, and and it it's it's so circular too because this is a character that's all about not being Connecting. relevant and not being yeah. connected and not being and people not getting it and yeah. I, I will say this though. I would read a whole book about this other character actually having a life and doing things. Mm-hmm. That would be cool. I would love yep. that. Um, they're a great character. It's just when it when it comes to trauma specifically, um, they were just kind of there and then they were wrapped in a little cocoon and pushed off to the side. <laughs> so uh, traumas, trauma-wise specifically. Yep. Uh, what do you think about our other two? This might, I, we might butt heads on this. I'm unsure. So I don't think that... I think that Patricia and Lawrence's things were handled very differently. And part of that is because of the kind of trauma that it is. Like, a little bit is the kind. Because, like, there's a thing that happens whenever the trauma is neglect. Where, to me at least, it's hard for that to be in the middle zone on care. Like, neglect, I think... To me, at least, it feels like it's usually going to be treated with care or just no. Because if you have anything in the middle, like, it's really hard to pick out the nuance between did they show, did they have enough care on nobody doing anything for this person or almost enough on nobody doing anything for this person? <laughs> um, I do think that we had a lot of care um, for one, like, there is a thing where it's heavily implied that as a result of the neglect, the the character um, was probably tortured. Mm -hmm. Um, We don't see that. And that's why I use words like probably. And it's (laughs) implied because he went through something and we as readers are spared exactly whatever that was. We know it was bad. Um... So yeah, I think with neglect, this was treated with care. Can we call it um, enough for the reader? We can call it enough. Okay. Yeah. 
Yeah, because I don't think it was. I actually don't think it was straight out treated with care. But I also think, I also think that neglect is one of those traumas, and we've talked about this before. We've had this happen in several other episodes, where if you just treat neglect specifically with enough care, it can't show anything. Yeah, it it's kind of a a show or tell, yeah thing. Because if you just say, well, someone was neglected, it's like okay, but in your book that doesn't mean anything unless you put it on the page in a way it's one of those weird ones where you can't just state that it happened you have to show someone failing to do a thing repeatedly or even just once but it still has to be there and and so it's really hard to because if you just straight up treat neglect with care it kind of vanishes and so like if we had picked if we had picked torture as the trauma here that would have just been care yeah Oh, yeah, we don't absolutely. see it. Right. Like, if that's what we had done here, just right. for contrast, for understanding these ratings. Yeah. Um, For control. <laughs> um, This is, I think, I feel like not enough. I agree. Or, yeah. and, and the thing is, I don't think it's just no. It's I think not no. It's not no. For- but this is one of those where if you you don't even have to have experienced exactly what this character goes through in the book, but if you've experienced any kind of serious parental abuse in general and food related trauma and food related like, trauma and here's that could where make I would you insert- put this book down and just straight up walk away. It would be too much and and it it wouldn't even take a lot. And here's where I think we should put in like a minor caveat of like those are very strong things for both of us. And so we acknowledge it's possible we are a little bit more sensitive to <laughs> but, these particular uh, things, especially in combination. But we so did also li- label this category this torture true. porn because of the descriptions. I know. I know. I just, with with the caveat that if you read this and you're like, what were they talking about? I'm like, <laughs> I'm so glad. I'm so glad this doesn't hit you the way it hits us. Yeah. Like... I, I do feel like this is one of our biases where anytime there's like a thing with food, we're like, oh, oh no, this is worse. And I don't think we're necessarily wrong. <laughs> no. I just think, I think we might, it's possible that we're a little more quick to notice when something related to food or parental abuse is not enough care. Yeah. that That's all I'm saying. Um, yeah, no, that's I don't fair. think we're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you did, we would change it. Uh, and hey, it is our podcast, so if at least we're wrong about this, we're going to be consistently biased in a way that you can predict and will still be useful to you when you're navigating the world of books. So, yay! <laughs> and that's the point of consistently following specific reviewers. Yay. Anyway. We've done a lot of, like, editorializing this episode, and I I at least am fully cognizant of that, but I feel like this one, it, it makes sense here, so. We're recording this, like, oh. Christmas is next week. Yeah. We had a break over Thanksgiving. Um, hello, we greetings had, we had to a bunch of in, things happen in between. Greetings to everyone in 2021. Um, yeah, I just got a cat. Computer. Like, that's where we are in our personal timelines for whenever this comes out. Like, yeah. It's been a weird week. I'm so happy to be recording again. It was a gap for us, it wasn't a gap for you. Uh, yeah. We appreciate you, audience. All right. Um, Point of view. Everything is either Patricia or Lawrence. And that means that for emotional connection, we do not get that character's perspective. We just don't. Just at all. 
And then with neglect and control, we, um, in one of the most pivotal neglect scenes for Lawrence, we have Patricia's perspective instead. This is so true. So with that caveat, we usually have the perspective of the person being hurt. But occasionally we have, especially for Aftermath, which I think also would count in the thing where Patricia um, is there for Lawrence's very particular scene. I think it, it feels like it tended to be that we have the person for the trauma and then the other one of them for the aftermath. Not always, but like enough for that to feel a bit like a pattern. I like it because it means that you watch the other person processing like through someone else's eyes and it... Um, I think it worked really well. I yeah. liked it. But yeah. Yeah. And it worked in a way where it didn't feel like we were just flipping back and forth between narratives. It felt very integrated and, and a big story that we just happened to have two perspectives on, which was kind of nice. Um, We've read some books, not recently, but we've read some books on this podcast where that's not done that way <laughs> and it's not bad it's just different and so it was different to to read where there was this really nice like well they're both kind of observing similar things when they are in the same room and we get to see that from both perspectives so that was cool all right aspiring writer tip do you have one i uh i guess if you have a character that you just really want to put in a book and they aren't really part of that story, but like you kind of just want them to exist, don't be afraid to give them a life. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, I'm not kidding when I say this minor character, I would read a whole series about them. Like, I wish I had more of them in this world. And I realize that narratively, it it felt very deliberate that they weren't. It felt like a point being made, but I really liked that character and I would love to see her just dealing with, you know, robots and humanity and that's all those things I'm going to say about her. <laughs> like, that yeah. would be cool. Yeah, like, make... Ev- if, if even your minor characters imply an existence beyond the page, it really makes the world feel a lot bigger because it stops... Yeah feeling like your major characters and secondary characters are like puppets following some timeline. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, just even, I think one of the things that really helped with that here is that she just like told one of the main characters that like he was wrong. She's like, yeah. uh, you're wrong. And, um, bye. <laughs> <laughs> and you're wrong and I'm out <laughs> see ya and we need to deal with it yeah so uh, having either heavily implied or outright stated that people don't agree with your main characters can do a lot to make a world feel less mm-hmm. um, staid or homogenous mm-hmm you don't have to spend like a whole bunch of time like on why necessarily just depending no. on the story. But no, making it, I, it implying it more inner lives than you have time to show implying them can do a lot. I will say too, it was really kind of a little bit refreshing on that point. To read a book where the main character was not the one calling out other people, instead they got called out. Mm-hmm. And 
some of my actually some of my favorite books that we've even covered on the podcast have moments like that but this was one where it wasn't set up as the main character is learning things the whole book this was just they're existing and they have their life and they have their stuff and then they get called out on the things that they're doing wrong and it felt very real and solid that was cool all right uh oh boy i like the rich lives of the forest (laughs) i don't know how to I don't think I can add any details to that. I just like that it exists as a place and it's not, it's separate and it's not part of um, humanity. I really enjoy it and I really like how it's described and I really like how it's set up and I really like how it is just, it's there and it's implied to be there forever and it doesn't go away. And I, that was really cool. I I would also love a book just about that. <laughs> With no no people in it. I would read that book too. My favorite non-traumatic thing is Peregrine. That's fair. I just really, really like them. Um, mentioned them in the characters and then didn't mention them much at all on this topic. But like, Peregrine is really cool. And I, I, I just really like what they do in the story and their role in it and um yeah it just feels kind of fitting that yours was the forest and mine was peregrine (laughs) um if you've actually read the book that's hilarious uh (laughs) or you're rolling your eyes it's one of those two um but yeah uh statistically the latter (laughs) (laughs) probably anyway um i think that's it Thank you so much for joining us. This is one of those books where, like, this episode isn't going to come out until 2021. This was, like, you know, the third or fourth book that we had on our list for, like, okay, we've got to talk about this. Oh, man, yeah, way back in January 2020. Mm -hmm. We had this as a plan, and it took us, like, the whole year to get to it, which is fair, because we went now, to be fair... We planted or planted planned most of our 2020 books in January, and this one just yeah. so happened to be later. But I'm glad we did actually get to it before the end of the year, recording wise, at least. Yeah, yeah. Because I, I I read it, and I was I think this is the first one that I read that I had not read before we started the podcast. Mm, and okay. I I read it, and I was like, this we have to talk about this. The other one that I think is coming out before this, but we haven't recorded yet. I don't know. Um, Beneath the Citadel by Destiny Saria uh, is another one that's in that category where I read it and I was like, gotta talk about it. So you've either already enjoyed that episode or we'll get it later, depending on <laughs> nebulous whatever time shenanigans. So... Thank you so much for joining us on the last thing we recorded. Well, our last full episode we're recording while it's 2020, most likely. Mm -hmm. So we will see you in a fortnight. All music used in this podcast was created by Nicole as Heartbeat Art Co. and is used with permission. You can follow us on Twitter at Books That Burn, all one word. You can email us with questions, comments, or book recommendations at 
books that burn at yahoo.com. Support us on patreon.com slash books that burn. All patrons get access to our upcoming book list and receive a one-time shout out. You can leave us an iTunes review. This helps people to find the show. And find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. We'll be back in two weeks.